horror in the house of sounds here to save the day let's talk about your favorite movies have some laughs and fun then when you're scared of deep dark shadows you won't need to run it's all horror fiction still a screen addiction fans and welcome to the illustrious season three of horror in the house of salmons i'm jamie and with me as always is brian happy new year and hello everybody happy new year and yes this is the first episode of season three and in the grand tradition of horror in the house of salmons which we has been around for one year, technically. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, technically, I guess it's been around for about six years. Well, there's been a horror in the House of Salmons, but... Oh, right, 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 right. Our show has only been around for one year. Tradition. It's, yes, thank you. <laughs> That's what happens when you throw me off. I know. <laughs> uh, we will be starting the season with our list of our top ten films of the previous year. And I say in the grand tradition because that was our very first episode. Oh, I didn't even remember that. Of ABC's of Hidden Horror was our top ten list of the previous year. From here on out, the schedule will follow as regular, 15th and 30th of each month, roughly. Roughly. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, from here on, of course, you know that season three is Son of the ABC's of Hidden Horror, which means uh, we are busting loose because children tend to be... Rebellious, yes. So Hard we're to re- control. We're little assholes. Yeah, we are rebelling against the alphabet this year, but we will still be bringing you our film pairings as yes. we always have. Only it's going to be a little bit different this season in that now each pairing will be chosen by one of us. The theme of it will be chosen by one of us, and then we will each bring a film that represents that theme. Should we tell them what the first theme's going to be? Just whet their appetite? Uh, sure. I guess it was your choice, so... Yes. One of us is going to pick a word, and then the other person gets to pick a movie related to that movie, and then the person who picked the word gets to choose another one. Because I like to make things difficult for us. And it could be anything. It could be any subject, any actor, any director, any year, any anything. As long as the two movies picked are... Well, A, horror-related, and B, related to that thing. So, as a proud Michigan native son, I chose Michigan as our first one. And we're letting you know this in advance, so you can watch these movies just in case you haven't, and so you can join in the conversation and stuff like that when we actually cover them. So, I picked Michigan, and then Jamie got the first pick, and she picked... Intruder. Which was going to be my pick. Because A, I love that movie. And B, there's still not many people that realize that movie is set in Michigan. Yeah, it was filmed in California. But everybody who made it and whoever wrote it. And if you're familiar with this area, you can hear the name drops and the various things mentioned. It's set here in the Mighty Mitch. So uh, that was my pick. So then after she picked that one, I had to go, oh boy, now what am I going to do? The first... The easiest one that came to mind was It Follows, 
That movie is amazing, but that's too much of an on-the-surface thing. So I decided to dig a little deeper and go back to a movie I haven't seen since it first came out. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I want to see if I like it any more or less now. Plus, it's going to be topical because it's recently returned to life. And we're going to have a new sequel in 2023. I'm talking about Scream 4. And the connection to Michigan there is... It was filmed in Michigan. Pretty much the entire thing was shot here in Michigan. Doubling as California or where the hell they placed it. So we have a film set in California that's filmed in Michigan and a film set in Michigan that was filmed in California. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Not bad. It's almost like we know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be our first comeback official... Episode episode. Regular episode. But until then, we have our top 10 of 2022. And should we discuss the year of 2022 in general? I've heard a lot of ballyhoo, I love that word, going around that 2022 is the best year of horror ever! Do you agree with that? No. Me neither. No, and it's not to say that there weren't... A lot of very good films. Uh, For me, this is the year of two things. Uh, It has been the year of surprises. Yes. I have been pleasantly surprised numerous times, and I'm sure that will come up during our discussion, but I can't even describe, like, I can't even give a number to how many times I was pleasantly surprised this year. So that was that. But it's also has been the year of performances for me. I feel like we have seen some incredible performances from actors yeah, I give you this that. year. But as far as, you know, being the best movie year, we've I've heard everything from the best year we've had in the last decade to the best year we've had ever to the best year we've had since 2019, which is kind of an odd comparison, but maybe it's because that was pre-pandemic. Why do you think that is? I have a theory, um, but I, do you have any theory why so many people are, you know, so desperate that this is the best horror year ever? Um, no. Do you think they're trying to shut up old farts like us who keep going on and on and on about the 80s? <laughs> I seriously well, think that might be the case because it seems like every couple of years you get a new thing that, oh, this is the best thing ever, oh my god, you know, it wipes its ass with the 1980s, and oh, hoo, 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 hoo. I don't know, honestly. I don't know if that's, I don't think it's a conscious thing if that is part of it, but it is very different now than it was in the 80s, and the thing about the 80s that, that I think we love both so much is not even necessarily the quality of the film, but it was the fact that we had it. It was there was horror everywhere yes. all the time. And there were releases every weekend, multiple I have sometimes. Proven multiple times on my Facebook and Twitter and all that. Great horror movies being released on the same day. Mm-hmm. Now this was back in the eighties, the old forgotten times now, where all we had was theaters. This is even before the home video revolution started. But even that is nothing compared... Nowadays, you have movies coming out of your ass. If you can't find good movies to watch, you're not looking hard enough. You have all the movies coming to theater. 
everybody has their own streaming service and everybody is now competing for your streaming service dollar and then you just get the miscellaneous independent low budget horror movies that just come out and hope somebody picks them up and usually somebody does and they run with it but nowadays you have movies everywhere even little piece of shit and it is i love it but it is piece of shit streaming services like tubi has their own originals yeah so far, I've not been blown away by them, but they still have their own originals. That's amazing to me. I will say this year was very strong theatrically. And yes. I'm grateful for that because we needed the push. Yes. To keep theaters alive. I still love theaters. I love the convenience and just how lazy you can be just streaming shit. Sitting at home, wearing your PJs, stuffing your face with pizza, don't have to go out and, you know, battle of traffic or shitty weather or whatever. You just stay at home, watch a movie, get drunk, you know, smoke some dope, whatever you do, and just have a good time. That is awesome. I also love going to the theater. I love going out. I love getting the popcorn and the pop and the seats, and I love the theater experience. I love watching movies with an audience. Unless they're assholes, then it actually sucks. But if they're somewhat decent and they're laughing when they should and they got their damn phones off and, you know, they go eek at all the scary moments, there's nothing like the theater. And I'm so glad that some movies, I mean, hell, you got movies like Top Gun Maverick, which was ginormously huge. That was a huge shot in the arm to theaters. They needed that shit. And I'm glad to see it was embraced so well. So am I. Uh, every time a film has done well, I have been very happy about it. Uh, Smile did very well. And That's another that one. that made me very happy. But you also noticed they put the money in the marketing for that oh, yeah. film. And it worked. And at, a, at an age when people could just as easily stay home. Yeah. When you have titles that do bring people out to the theater, it is heartening. It, yes. It makes me feel like, yes, we are still going to have this. And it's a treat. We're going to have this treat around for a while longer because it is an experience. And it's one that I cherish and I always have. You could give me access, instant access to every film ever made at the moment it's available. And I would still want to go to the theater. Because oh it is the experience itself that I enjoy. Well, my whole point to all that was, in the beginning, is back in the 80s, when we had far, far, far fewer films coming out, we still had awesome titles coming out all the damn time, and even on the same date, for theatrical release. <laughs> People now just don't understand how mind-blowing that is. They don't get how hard it was to do a movie back then. They don't get how hard it was to get a production company to pick up and distribute your movie back then. Nowadays, anybody can make a movie, and that's good, you know, because we get a lot of good, low-budget, independent people who have the skill and have the talent and otherwise couldn't make a movie unless just doing it on their own. And I'm all for that. But back then, the bar of entry was much, much higher. Even the shitty films yes. required knowledge, yeah. required money. Or, you know, renting a camera wasn't cheap. Film stock was the opposite of cheap. It's the same Which way. is why with really cheap movies, you often get 
poor takes because yes. they could only afford one. I'm old school. I still believe if you write well, well enough for other people who would want to read it, you need to have a publisher come up to you and go, I like this. Here's money. Let me publish it. That is a good litmus test. And that's how the movies were in the 80s. You needed somebody to have enough faith in you to go, you know what? It's going to cost a lot of money to make this movie. Even if it's a low-budget, dirt, cheap, shitty, you know, movie, they still cost a lot of money compared to what it takes now to film a low-budget, independent job. You needed people to believe in you enough to give you money to do that. That is a good bar to set, I think. If you can't find anyone else willing to back your stuff, why should you expect the audiences to want to see your stuff? Well, if you want to see that stuff, you can just go to Prime because well, they yeah. pick up everything. <laughs> and but that's my point. I've fallen into that hole. So but that's sometimes. why I won't watch random movies on Prime anymore. I've tried and tried and tried, and each one to to a movie has upset me, has failed me, has bummed me out because they were such trash. But that is a rant and a topic for another day. I think this was a very good year, but I think the number of movies that really wowed me, that really went, holy shit, that's a movie. I don't think this was any great increase over other years. Honestly, we've had excellent years. There's been something that has really touched me, really affected me. Virtually every year since horror has had its resurgence, something has uh, affected me on a deep level. Whether it was, you know, The Devil's Candy or The Witch or It Follows or, you know, all the ones that people frequently name check. Though they don't name check Devil's Candy, which they should. Yeah, they should. <laughs> um, that's just a personal favorite of mine. But even something like Malignant, it did blow me away. It I love did. That movie. It did affect me. It's um, silly as all hell. But it that's is, but that's the it. beauty of it, and the fact that Juan was able to make something he wanted to make, yes, without even a bit of concern about what anyone else would think of it. I mean, he wanted people to enjoy it, obviously, but that was a movie for him. Yeah, and I think it was beautifully successful. I absolutely love it, and. So there's been something like that just about every year. And I honestly can't think of a year where I was wholly disappointed. No. So, I mean, this has been a very good year, but I just, it doesn't stand out for me any, any higher than an, any other year in recent memory. And that's a good point, too. I mean, I sometimes say that the 90s sucked for horror movies. And by and large, it did. And if you don't believe me, millennials... You can ask Jamie here, who's been doing a show with Duncan every year where they trip down the decades and they list the best movies of the decade. And oh, the 90s were rough. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Every decade you've done, you've had a just An a embarrassment of choice. Yes, of amazing movies. And you had to cut so many good movies to make, you know, to bring it down to top 10 or top 20, whatever the hell you do. 90s, you had to go searching. I did. You had to go scraping. And I, again, I've said this for years, and people are like, oh, the 90s weren't that bad. Yeah, they were. They really fucking were. Now, but even were, in the 90s, there were still great horror movies. Yeah, there were just wasn't as many of them. Standout films. It's just that the number of them was, and the numbers do not lie. 
It is true. No, I mean, it, it's true. I, that's all part and parcel of the whole, I don't know why people are so ready to crown this year the most amazing year ever. Maybe it has something to do with, you know, we're finally crawling out of the abyss that was yeah. COVID-19. We're, okay, we're I didn't getting, think of that. Getting back to normalcy. Maybe that's it. You know, people I just thought, have been going out to the theater more. I think that, honestly, if you were a theater goer, if that's something you enjoy doing, it will enhance your experience. So maybe they're getting more favorable experiences by going to the to the theater again. Yeah. You know, that's I don't a good know. Point. But, I didn't think of that. Um, I thought it was more of the whole horror is now being taken a lot more serious than ever has before. And that's good. Even silly movies, they're... They're not just disposable garbage movies studios want to make because they know they always make money. These are movies that people are honestly putting heart and soul and skill into. It's not the years of the remakes where these things were just product. It was like an assembly line. Okay, we did Texas Chainsaw. Now let's do The House on Sorority Row. Why not? And, you know, let's do, you know, When a Stranger Calls and just all these fucking remakes they were doing nothing but banking on the name and putting as little effort into it as possible. Nowadays, horror is respected. You have directors who get critical accolades for what they do in the horrorverse. That's never happened before. Guillermo del Toro, Jordan Peele. Like, and um, those are just the Two Oscar of the big, winners. big ones, yeah. <laughs> but... It's, yes, they're getting recognized by... Well, what's his name? Society on the Whole. The Witch Boy. Eggers? Yeah. Nobody says he's a hack. He, you know, everybody says how great of a filmmaker he is. And he is. And he's just done horror movies. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. No, it is. And honestly... What we're going through right now is the very thing I have been striving for the entirety of the time I've been working in any capacity within the genre, whether it was just reviewing or doing interviews or doing podcasts or working at the film festival or uh, editing website, anything I've ever done. My goal has always been, my dream has always been that horror would be recognized for what it truly is. Which is an accurate reflection of how we feel as a society, of what we're going through as a society. Horror is the only genre to nail that in and to re accurately reflect who we are. I've been begging for that to be recognized, really, the majority of my life, but especially in the last 20 years. So you're a fan of prestige horror then? No. <laughs> no, I am. I'm not a fan of the term. No, Because, as we know, meaningful horror has always been around. That's not a new concept. And it's just now it is to a point where it's okay to recognize it. And that, I think, is the difference. But horror is also one of the broadest genres I know. Where I can enjoy a horror movie that's all dark and moody, and serious, and, you know... Whether it's slow-paced or measured in pace. Art house. You know, I could uh, enjoy the most artistic horror movie out there, 
And then I can also enjoy something like, well, bodies, 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 which is silly and stupid and... But very clever. But Well, yeah, there's always got to be some form of cleverness in there. I don't think I could like a, a rote horror movie, with the exception of, like, maybe some of the slasher films, because that's just, you know, comfort movies. But nowadays, the horror genre goes from the super serious po-faced... Ooh, we're doing serious, hardcore art to just a blah, let's have fun and here's some blood and guts and silly shit. And I love that. I don't really see that too much in other genres. Well, no, I think... They pretty I, much stay to their formulas. Like, a romantic comedy is always going to follow the formula of the romantic comedies. Boy meets girl. Oop, they get in a little bit of a tussle. Now they hate each other, but they come back together at the end. Oh, every fucking movie is like that. I was actually going to use that same example, but then, uh, but then I was thinking, well, comedy within it, you know, as a genre, varies. Yeah, you know, much like horror does. It's probably the only genre that really matches or comes close to matching horror in that regard. Because you can have romantic comedies, you can have dark comedies, you can have uh, screwball comedies, you can have, uh, you know, things with that are intellectually funny, but you can have things that are just full of pratfalls, you know, that are goofy and Maybe, funny. maybe that's So good. it does vary, but I agree that I think horror is the genre that spans by far the most area. And there's something for everyone. Oh, Hell, yeah. there are things for people who don't enjoy horror, and I have... Had friends who were not horror fans at all, but well, I showed them. People. But I showed them something, and then they were into it. Those are people living under a rock, too afraid to go out of their own shell and experience new shit. So they're just not. I don't like horror movies. How can you fucking say that? Yeah, you I mean, I can understand if you don't like Saw, but you're going to tell me there's nothing yes. out there that's categorized as horror that you could find that you could relate to or find enjoyable. Whenever I've had friends present me with that, I make it my goal to find something to prove that wrong. And I have always been successful. Mm. Because there's something out there that will appeal to everyone. And there are going to be degrees of horror involved. Some of them are, you know, will be more gory and some of them won't be gory at all. But there's something out there that will appeal to everyone. Well, yeah, I, on my list, I won't say now, but I have two movies that jump to mind. They are like polar opposites of each other mm -hmm. as far as how extreme and just graphic and disturbing. And I think they're both great films, but they're so totally different. I know what one of those is, I think. Oh, you might. Okay. That's our treatise on, on uh, the state of horror today, I guess. I don't know. It was sort of off the cuff. I guess what we'll do is what we typically do. We do a round robin. Uh, we'll start with 10, work our way down to 1, going back and forth, and then uh, save our honorable mentions for the end. Okay. Uh, just because people don't like to know what's an honorable mention, because then they know it's not on the list. So it kind of spoils it for them. Okay, dokie. Are you ready? Sure. Okay, why don't you start? Uh, no, you ladies first. Oh, fine. I'm nothing if not a gentleman. Okay, I am, as usual, of course, you guys already know this, but... Uh, I'll go ahead and say it for anyone who may be listening for the first time. Brian and I do not know what is on each other's lists. We have no discussion about that whatsoever. 
We don't know the films and we don't know the placement. So this is going to be a surprise just as much for us as it is for you. And also, let me just say that these are our personal lists and you're allowed to have your own personal list and everything is fine with that. And blah, blah, fucking blah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching various YouTube movie or videos or whatever of their their favorite comedies and their favorite this and their favorite that and, you know, the best movies of the year, just general movies. And then, you know, some of the best horror movies of the year and so on and so forth. And everybody, everyone to a single person feels like they got to say that now. And it's unfortunate, but I don't think they're wrong. I, I get that. that, but no fucking shit this is my opinion. It's yeah. my list. But it And just... I don't expect you to have the same... I mean, hell, you're my wife. We watch everything together most of the goddamn time anyways. We have very similar tastes. I don't expect your list to be matching mine. The little fuckheads out there that get so bent out of shape when a movie that they love is not on a list... Or a movie they hated, grrr, makes somebody's list. Oh, I'm going to piss some people off, I know. Oh, I know. You'll probably piss me off, too. I think I know what one of your movies is, and I fucking <laughs> don't agree with that. <laughs> I, and I know which one you're talking about. But but uh, it seems like everybody's just, oh, oh, these are just opinions. Don't don't be afraid. Don't be. If you don't like my opinion, eat a bowl of fuck. I don't care. Well, we were just watching Drum Dums. Uh, and he was saying that there was a movie that was on his list. That's what got me that, going off yeah, on this. There was a movie that was on his list that someone in his... A few viewers, people has said, I have unsubscribed to you because you like this movie. Which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I cannot... Now, if I disagree with someone religiously, if I disagree with them on a regular basis, then chances are good that I well, probably yeah. won't watch their channel That's or how it comes to, to when you find a critic or a reviewer that you want to follow. As long as 80% of the time you agree on the same shit, that's probably somebody you should follow. That's somebody whose opinion yours also matches most of the time. Well, sometimes I'll even watch or listen to them knowing that I don't agree with them, but it's the host themselves that I find enjoyable. So, uh, yeah. But if you decide you don't want to listen to someone anymore because there's a single film that is on you the list so that you hated so much that you just can't trust them anymore, I just think that's honestly silly. Yes. Uh, and to be honest, if that's the kind of opinion that someone has... I don't care to know it. No, like, they're a small-minded, living-in-a-bubble piece of shit who don't want any other opinions other than the ones they've already formed. And if that's you, I don't want you here. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, I do want to hear your lists, listeners. I enjoy, you know, hearing about shit that I might not have seen or maybe I forgot about. Or even if I disagree with it, I want to know, okay, why do you like this movie and I think it's so such garbage, or vice versa. Yeah, I am perfectly happy to have discourse with people if they think that a film that I've chosen is not worthy. I am happy to have that conversation. I enjoy those conversations. I like being challenged by conversations. Yes. But if you hear something you don't like and you immediately turn something off, that's not challenging. No. That's... I don't even know what Too cowardice. Many, it goes from politics to religion to everything down the fucking down the line. They only want to hear opinions that they already have made for themselves. They just want constant reinforcement and anything that challenges that. Even something as silly 
and immaterial as what movie you like, oh hell, that just can't be, you know, stood for. That is abomination against nature. You should be ashamed. You're a bad person if you like this or you didn't like this. Fuck all that noise and fuck you too if you think that way. <laughs> Who knew that they were getting angry Brian right out of the gate this season? That constant apologizing and pandering to people so you don't offend them. I really don't give a fuck. If you're offended by me, good. At least you're thinking. And I want you to tell me what's going on and what was your favorites and how could I put this movie on my list and how could I, you know, avoid this one. I mean, fine. But I like opinions. I like discussions. And if everybody's sitting around in a circle jerk just going yup, 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 yup to the same things over and over, you can't have discussion. What do you have on your list? <laughs> I just feel like there must be something just crazy on your list. No, nothing <laughs> too crazy. <laughs> I tease. But again, that really has nothing to do with my list or anything that has in part impacted me in particular. It's just I've noticed this year more than most the various reviewers and all that stuff always, oh, you know, this is my list. It's okay if you disagree. You know, we can do that. Something should be explained. Some things should just be a given. If I say this movie is great and you didn't like it, somehow that's going to give you some mental trauma and, you know, it'll affect you for the rest of your life and you won't be living your best Oh, fuck off. They're movies. They're a big part of my life. I obviously love them, but they're just opinions on movies. Yeah. Okay, are we ready? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so let's get into it. My number 10 is going to be a movie that isn't going to make your list, I'm pretty sure. But it's a film that I really appreciated. I thought it was kind of brilliant and what it was trying to say and how it chose to say it. And I think it's a film that speaks very well um, to cultural differences and how people just on the whole, on a regular basis, based on the culture that they come from, have different reactions to different stimuli. And that is Speak No Evil. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, that's a movie I just can't get behind. I like some of the ideas behind it. I like the performances, but it is so against who I am. It is such a opposite of me and what I perceive to be reality and how I would act and how I think most normal people would act. That whole blind lamb to the slaughter thing. I'm like, nobody would do that. When it ships her down and death's on the line, you're going to fight. You're going to claw, you're going to scratch, you're going to bite people's noses off. You're going to do whatever it takes to survive. And just that meek, you know, oh, okay, I guess it's okay if you stone me to death, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Well, I, I mean, also think it has a few logical uh, plot holes in the plot that I'm like, huh. I give it license because it is obviously to an extent hyperbolic what is? but he is very clearly trying to make a point and i think he nails it well it's almost to the line of satire i think yeah where he's purposely mocking something because it is so alien to me every once in a while i say something like you might as well be speaking martian because i have no idea what you're talking about that's kind of like this movie where these people are just such empty dish rags just yeah I can't even begin to invest myself into their characters. You know, suspension of disbelief, that goes right out the fucking window when it comes to them. Because I'm like, why wouldn't you just do this? 
Why wouldn't you just do that? Why would you do this? Why would you let them do this to you? And all down the line, I'm like, no, 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 no. If I can't have at least one fucking thing that I can have in relation to the characters on the screen, I can't connect. And that's how these people are. So I can understand why you would like it, and I can understand why people would like it. I just can't. Well, I can also understand why people wouldn't. I just do. <laughs> so, and it, I thought it was extremely effective. But let's move on to your number 10. Okay, so for my number 10, this is a movie that some people may quibble with if it's horror or not. I could see myself making an argument one way or the other, depending on if I want to play devil's advocate or not. But I think it's good enough or horrific enough to be in there. It definitely has the roots in that. And hell, from the original movie, some people think it's a slasher. So there you go. I'm talking about Prey. The most recent Predator movie. Ah, huh, okay. And this is an example of one of those streaming services, you know, just coming out of a movie. It's never been in the theaters. It's not on disc that I know of. A lot of those streaming movies never come to disc, which pissed me off. So this could be very well that. It's another example of just the increased avenue of movies this day. As for the movie itself, I really like it. I like that it was set in the past. It's one of the very few prequels that I actually enjoy because it's not directly tied to anything above it, so anything can still happen. Most prequels, you know how they're going to end because they have to set up the first movie. This one didn't have any of that. I like the historic atmosphere and all that. I know some people are out there going, eh, it's woke because it has a female protagonist. <laughs> and a Native American. Yeah, well, that's... This ain't the first movie to have a strong female protagonist as the lead. Hell, one of the most other famous sci-fi horror movies out there had a character named Ripley. And what was she again? Hmm. Hmm. What year did that come out? Damn, she was woke before woke was woke. <laughs> so I don't get that stupid bullshit. Um, is the story good? Yes, it is. Is the acting good? Yes, it is. She this was so... Good. I really liked her in here. Was the special effects good? For the most part. There was some dodgy CGI when it came to some of the animals and all that, but eh, it didn't take me out of the movie. Uh, the thing that I probably liked the least about this was the new redesigned look of the Predator. And I heard some people going, well, you know, this was set a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, but evolution don't work like that. You go a couple hundred years in our past, we still look the same. So I don't see how this alien race could be so drastically different between how he is here and how he is in the Schwarzenegger movie. But then you get other people saying, well, there's different types of these guys. Right. There are and, different races. Of okay, sure. I can buy that. I just, I would have preferred the original look of the Predator. I just think that's better. That being said, I that didn't like the whole skull thing. The that was neat. That was neat. But, you know, that did nothing to really detract from the movie for me. It was a good time. It was the Predator doing what he's doing. We got a little bit of historic fun in there. We got some good characters. We got the Predator vs. Bear, which was awesome. And it was a nice surprise because the last couple Predator movies, well, specifically Predators, I think it was. No, that's the good one. Okay, the Predator. the Predator. Yeah. yeah, that was garbage. And I'm not a big fan of the Alien vs. Predator movies, so... It was nice to see them 
do it competently again. Oh, I agree. It is not here for me, but that's solely because I don't personally consider it a horror film. I don't care if other people do. That has nothing to do with me. But you know how you know how I am. One of my favorite films of the year is not going to make my list because I don't personally consider it a horror film. But I'm going to mention it anyway. No, but, you just watch me. Uh, but it's just, that's just how I, you know, how I am. Like, when I'm making a list like this, I feel the need to keep it as strictly horror for myself as I can, because it kind of helps me narrow things down. I get that, but sometimes there is a movie like this one. I think it's horrific enough to it can blur the line and squeeze in just under the bar to make me happy that it was a direct-to-streaming thing, and yet they didn't skimp on it, they didn't cheap out on it. And it is such a return to form mm-hmm. for the franchise, which has you know, kind of lost its way in recent movies. No, I agree with that. And I absolutely enjoyed that film. I particularly loved the lead. I related to her. Yeah. I cared about her. And that's important. So she did a, an amazing job. Plus, I think she had an incredible arc. Like, they took the time to build this character. We watched her learn throughout the runtime of the film. In the beginning, she was more clumsy. Uh, she was a novice. I know? do I do really like that she wasn't a Mary Sue. And a lot of movies where they do put women in the lead of these high-action, ass-kicking movies, they do tend to Mary Sue them. I don't know if that's a... They think they have to. Like, people won't believe a woman can do this unless we tell them, oh, she was in the CIA and she won the gold medal for this. And, you know, every day she runs 50 miles. You know? <laughs> and, you know, she's both ambidextrous and... Yeah, and double-jointed. Yeah, and... Like, you know, in here... You don't need all those provisos. She can't beat the Predator... Just on sheer strength alone. Fucking Schwarzenegger can't beat the Predator on strength alone. No one could. But what she proved is that she can learn, and she's quick, and she's smart. She's adaptable. And I appreciate that. Yep. So that was my number 10. Go ahead. All right. Well, moving on to number 9. This one, I'm actually kind of surprised it didn't get higher up my list. But, and I'm sure there are people out there who were going to be upset with me that it didn't. But it just that's just the way the numbers fell. I mean, if you're on my top ten, I loved it. Like, there's no question about that. So I absolutely loved the film. It just didn't get any higher than number nine. And that is Pearl. Okay. And that was the prequel to X, which, by the way, Ty West and Mia Goth, both of them uh, working together on these films, I just, I'm loving it. I'm so excited for Maxine. I was pleasantly surprised by Ty West coming back seemingly out of nowhere with X, only to then immediately reveal that there was a sequel to that follow was cool. in the same year. And then based on the success of both of those, we now have Maxine coming out, which I am really interested in because, of course, it takes place in the 80s. Right. And that's my wheelhouse. So, <laughs> And Ty has always been known for being able to capture a time period. So that part oh, yeah. did not surprise me at all. I think he did a, a brilliant job. What I love about the difference between X and Pearl is the film style uh, is very different for each film. And yeah. I 
thoroughly enjoyed that. For Pearl, I love the score. I love the look. I love the color palette. I think Mia Goth did an incredible job. And there were also some surprises in there for me. Like I, uh, the one guy, the theater guy. I don't know. If, I don't know how much I, I kind of figured but that was going to happen. I just well, maybe it was more I didn't want it to. Mm, maybe <laughs> I'll tell you. I really liked his character. I tell you this: Pearl is not on my list. It's not because I don't think it's a bad movie. I just didn't love it to the degree that many people did. Yeah. I think Mia Goth was excellent in it. And that last, uh, like, five-minute monologue delivered straight to the camera is amazing. Uh, I don't know if she should win the Academy Award for that, but she should at least get nominated. And, she, of course, she never will because that was just a silly horror movie. So, whatever. I like the difference in look between that and X. It's just... X, the look, the feel of it felt authentic to that period. This doesn't. Well, and you're right, uh, because the, he took like a very technicolor approach to yes. making the film, as if it were like Wizard of Oz. But yet, rather than taking place in 1939 or so, whenever... Well, even before that, it's know, World War One. No, but I know. what That's what I'm saying. Okay. The Wizard of Oz came out in 1939. Okay. So, instead of that... You know, the film takes place in 1918, but if he were to make the film as if it were made in 1918, that would be a very different film, and it would be, like, it would be a silent film, and it wouldn't have the color, and it wouldn't be what it is. So I understand why he did it. Yeah, so do I. I get that. I just would have preferred something else. Yeah, I understand. I mean, that makes sense. And basically, for me, the final thing that kept it off my list, because it is a very good movie, but it is a basic going insane movie. Mm -hmm. It really didn't do anything I haven't seen before, nor anything I wasn't expecting. So in that regard, it was very much, for me, middle of the road. It's it's what I expected. And it was done very well. I think the direction is very well. I think the acting is very well. It just didn't have that oomph factor to push it over the line for me. Okay, well, what did well, number nine is one of the movies I was talking about being one of the polar opposites mm -hmm. with one of my other films I liked a little bit more. It's higher up on the list. But this one is The Black Phone. Oh, okay. I don't hate PG-13 horror just because it's PG-13. I think you can make a very good horror movie and have it be PG-13 if that is your goal from the outset. And I think that's the case here. It's a very good movie, regardless of re rating, but they purposely did things to make it a bit more, I don't know, family-friendly, maybe because of the whole child cast and all that. I only have problems with PG-13 horror is when you can see the cuts and the seams. You can see them walk right up to the line of doing something scandalous or bloody or, you know, in ill taste or whatever, and they purposely avoid it. It's a th it's a when fucking it hurts the film. It's the thing in Scream, which isn't PG thirteen, but it's the whole you know. Let's have a PG thirteen relationship, and she shows her titties to her boyfriend, of course, only from the back, and it's like, yeah, I see what you did there. Or hell, even worse, that Final Girls movie where it's all about being a riff and a, a spoof on eighties horror films, specifically. Friday the 13th, and they make mention of the whole, you know, 
gratuitous, needless nudity time and time again, but every time they walk right up to the line and then run away from it like little bitches. <laughs> I hate that shit. That's not my problem with this movie. I really don't have one. I think it was a really well-done, supernatural, thriller, mystery, horror movie. I liked the characters in it a lot. I liked the story in it a lot. I like, what's his name, Ethan Hawke? Yeah. I think he played a great villain. Ethan Hawke and Scott Derrickson together are a brilliant combination. They proved that with Sinister, and it just continues here. I mean, honestly, I love it when an actor who has done other things either comes back to horror or embraces horror for the first time, even. I mean, Ethan Hawke is well-known. He is an, an actor on the public scene. But the fact that he has embraced these horror roles that he's taken and done so well, I feel like he puts so much into them that he treats it seriously. And I think it shows. And I think his portrayal of the Grabber was chilling. Oh, yeah. And uh, particularly the scenes uh, where, you know, you'd see him sitting in the chair with the belt with his just shirt waiting, off. Just waiting, yeah. Just waiting. Like, he set the trap, and he was waiting. And to me, that's terrifying. I love the ghost kids. I love the setting. It seemed very authentic to the 70s. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of people say, you know, oh, it's set in the 80s. It wasn't. No, it's not. It's set in the <laughs> 70s. There's a big difference, and this movie has that. I don't know. Just I like the, the kid actors. I usually don't. And it's not because, oh, I just hate kids. Most kid actors aren't that good. Well, they just don't have the experience. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I ain't blaming them, but it's just, it's the truth. Most kid actors aren't that good. These kid actors, I think, did an excellent job. And I mean all of them, from the two main leads to the ghost kids that show up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really enjoyed this film. And it's not bloody, and it's not grotesque, and it's not over the top. But it gets it still had enough to captivate me and keep me interested and keep me wanting to watch. I mean, that's something for a movie this tame in some respects to have such an effect on me, my cold, jaded, gore-loving heart, that says something. Yeah, I love the story, and I love the characters. And I love that Derrickson is very good at giving you everything you need without spoon-feeding you. Yes. And I like the subtleties, like the fact that the grabber... He, you know, he's like, phone doesn't work. You know, stay away from that phone. It doesn't work. Like, nobody ever talks man. But yet, it does work. But I believe that it, and this isn't explicitly said, but I believe it works because he has this sort of familial psychic ability. Yes. His mom was psychic. His sister's psychic. He is not to that level, but he still has a touch of that and I think well. it's yeah I think he's and that's sensitive. right from the Stephen King DNA handed down to his son Joe Hill who wrote the story this is based off of they love kids with gifts and that's exactly what this is you could call it the shining if you want I don't know I just I really like that and yeah this uh Ethan Hawk he doesn't have that and you can also tell that he's had his own share of traumas related to that very basement he is reenacting things as opposed to just going, making stuff up whole hog and killing kids for no reason. Just, I like to kill kids. Well, and he has a very specific order in which he yeah. does things. It's very ritualistic. Specific. Yes. Yeah. And I, I like all that. 
Yeah, and we don't know. I like the... the twist and turns at the end where you think it's going to be one thing. Oh, the houses? Yeah. yeah and then I it's, thought that was done really yeah. well. I love a good misdirection. That's yes. one of my favorite things is if you can get me going in one and, direction. like I say, earn it. Not just pull it out of your ass. Not just go, you didn't see that coming, did you? No, make it honest. Make it real. And I think that this movie does it. I totally agree. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. Okay. So what is your number? What was that? Eight. What is your number eight? My number eight is... This might surprise you. Glorious. Mm. Why would that surprise me, do you think? I'm just thinking it might surprise you being on my list. Okay. I think it's a great movie, so I would expect it to be on a list. Okay. Well, I really enjoyed that one. It's, again, it is... That one comes down to performances for me. Oh, yeah. And particularly the performance of J.K. Simmons. He was awesome. Uh, It's an oddity because it was simultaneously a very quiet film when you have his delivery and his just calm, even speech patterns paired with a whole lot of fucking gore and just wildness. I mean, like, it just shit was coming out of nowhere. And I was kind of blown away. Like, I was not expecting any of that. And I, I mean, I'd seen the trailer, so I knew J.K. Simmons did a voice, but I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know exactly how the film was going to play out. And then when it did, I was very happy with it. I thought it was very smart, very funny, and also very gory, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. That was another total surprise. I knew J.K. Simmons was in it, and I usually like what he does, but that's all I knew. I didn't know the other guy was the guy from True Blood way back in the day. And uh, I always thought he was okay there. I think he's excellent here. I like the absurdity of it. The idea that there is an ancient cosmic eldritch force of evil trapped in a bathroom stall. It's almost, and it's also, it's achieved... uh, level of sentience where it likes life. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's here to do and he doesn't want to do it if he doesn't have to. You know, he, he appreciates the beauty of life. And then there's a twist. Which I absolutely loved. The reason the character, the human, is in that place and what he's running from and right. what he did. Right. And the fact that this ancient, unknowable alien evil is like, you know, this is a beautiful world. And it doesn't need people like us. That is just amazing. So, yeah, I think Glorious is a great film. I think that's a good addition. Very if anything, cool. it might should have been higher on your list. I don't know. Well, we'll see. What's next? <laughs> but uh, what's your number eight? Fresh. Nice. I really like this one. It, it is, again, it borders between satirical black comedy and horror. It is horrific. What is this character doing to this girl and what she has to go through and what she has to look forward to. But it's just done with such style Style. yeah, Yeah. and warmth. And I mean, it's hard to hate this character. Uh, Who's the actor again? Stan? Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. I am a Sebastian Stan. 
Yeah. <laughs> a stand for Stan. Yeah. I've only seen him in a few things, but I always like him in whatever I see him well, in. Well, um, also, this year we watched him in Pam and Tommy Lee. Yes, that's the only thing I'm thinking of. Which was, I thought he was excellent in that. I think he also did the Winter Soldier from the Marvel movies. Yes, yeah. Eh, I think he's okay in that, but that doesn't move me one way or the other. But Pam and Tommy, he was excellent as Tommy Lee. And here he's excellent as the cannibal chef with... A bit of conflict in himself, but also just this cold-blooded, practical ruthlessness that Mm. I really like. He's very pragmatic. Yeah. But he also is very funny and very charming. His character has charisma for days. Yes. And yes, while we're watching the film, I should hate this character because he is pretty fucking evil. (laughs) people... Cutting pieces off of them, grilling it up, and selling it to rich fucks. Just for their own yayas. Yeah. That's fucked. It is. But That's I'm... even worse than the cannibals from Texas Chainsaw, because at least they're doing it out of maybe some kind of necessity. They're hungry. They need food. They're feeding themselves. Here, he's the ultimate capitalist. He is just ripping you apart, ruining your life, fucking you over just to make a buck. And I can't help but love him. Yeah. I just adore every second he's on screen. His charm just oozes off the screen. I, I I love it. I adore it. And I had a blast with that film. And that's one of the early films this year. It was one of the first ones we watched. Oh, yeah. And it immediately made a mark. It's just, it's one of those films that I know, even if I watch it early on, I'm not going to forget it, and it's going to come back around. Oh, yeah. And like I say, it's almost like a black comedy. It is so just pitch black hilariousness throughout the whole fucking thing. And I also love the the victim, the woman playing the, you know, yeah. the meat. I think she was really well done. I liked how she thought and how she tried to overcome and how at the end she actually did. I don't know. Just this whole movie I thought was excellent. So that's why it's on the list. I like it. Uh, Number seven for me, we've already discussed. It was on your list and that is The Black Phone. Yay! So it was just a little bit higher for me. But again, another amazing theatrical watch. Which most of the films on my list this year were theatrical. Well, not maybe most, but a good chunk of them were theatrical. So Well, so far of the three I mentioned, two were streaming. That would be Fresh and Prey. And one was theatrical. So, you know, I'm not coming against anything with the streaming. As long as they keep making quality films, I'm happy. I just wish I'd do something more with that. Sometimes they do release them in theaters for limited runs and shit like that. Which is yeah, awesome. I think it, that's th- typically that's because they want it to be considered for Oscar Wars nomination, and, yeah. and and one of the rules about being an Oscar film is that because the Oscars haven't had... pulled their head out of their ass yet. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that about many things regarding yeah. the Oscars, I guess. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we've already talked about that one. So I guess you can move on to your number seven. Okay. Speaking of early films, this might be the earliest of the films. We watched that made it to my list. In fact, watching a few other, you know, YouTubers and commentators and stuff like that, watching and listening to their end of year lists, 
this movie, I think, was sadly forgotten, with the exception of one person. I've seen one person have this on the list, and I was like, you know, good for you. So I definitely think it's worth it. It obviously made my list. I think it's a great film, but just it kind of came and went and disappeared like a fart in the windstorm. And that is The Cursed. I think we saw it in February at the theater, so it counts. I know there's some anal retentive sticklers out there goes, it, you know, first came out in 2021. Yeah, maybe it did in, you know, bumfuck Iowa or whatever the fuck. But it came out here in February 2022, so that's when we watched it. Fucking deal with it. And uh, as for the movie, it's a werewolf flick. Yay! So that, in and of itself, gives it a couple points. But the idea that it does something new and interesting with the werewolf mythos, I really liked it. Because, I mean, let's face it, vampires have been done to death by now. I mean, there's been deconstruction and reconstruction and analysis and kid vampires and teen vampires and... Vampires as drug metaphors. Ooh, that's original. Just every type of flavor of vampire you could think of. But werewolves, it's basically somebody gets bit, they turn into a wolf, they start attacking people. Rinse and repeat. And that's fine, and I like those stories if they're done well. This just did something wholly new with that, and I really enjoyed it. It is literally a curse. And there is no having to bite people. You know, there's some of that later on once the curse kicks up again and it starts spreading. I love that it was a period piece. I love the look of the wolf. Now, it doesn't look like your traditional werewolf should look, but I like that. It, and it wasn't to such a, I don't know, negative effect that it starts to take away from the coolness, like the werewolves in that... Uh, late phases. Late phases, where, yeah, they did something original, but uh, I didn't think it was good. Here it is. I love the atmosphere. It's yes. so gothic and foggy. I mean, it looks just like you would picture... The English the, Moors the, or whatever. Yeah, also, I like the fact that they pulled from real lore. Yes. You know, it's just... That was a film that... Again, like you, I've only seen one other person mention it. And... It kind of breaks my heart. And sometimes I think it's because if a film comes out too early in the year, people may forget about it. Oh, yeah. I think that's the case here. But I was very pleasantly surprised by that. Obviously, the moment we knew about it or we saw the trailer, I was in. Because it was clearly a werewolf film. It was clearly a period piece. And I just loved the look of it. But then when we went to see it, I was wholly impressed. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I do wish that more people were talking about it. Maybe that many people didn't see it. I don't well, know. Well, maybe. But I, I think it's a shame, and if you haven't seen it, then I do recommend it. Yeah, definitely see If you're a werewolf fan, you need to see it. If you're just a horror fan, you need to see it. If you like historical movies, you need to see it. Pretty much you just need to see this movie. I really enjoyed it. And I wish more movies like this would come out that do something new with the established tropes of the famous monsters, but not to their detriment, not to not to make fun of, you know, do something new, but don't go, ha ha ha, you see, oh, this was a straight, legit horror film about werewolves that did 
new and interesting things with it. That'll always get my attention. So, bravo, film. Yay, well, I'm excited to see that on your list. Yay. What's your next one? Uh, my next one is number six, and that is X. Uh, oh, okay. We briefly mentioned it when we were talking about Pearl, and this one is significantly higher on my list, and that's probably for a couple reasons. One, I found it, by the time we got to Pearl, I knew who the character Pearl was, yes. so I wasn't really surprised by anything that she did. And again, that's one of my big drawbacks with prequels. Things are kind of set, so you lose that experience of the character unfolding before you. Knowing nothing about them and then seeing them develop along the way. Yeah. In Pearl, we kind of knew she was going to go shithouse crazy. So we were just waiting there for her to go shithouse crazy. Right. Even though I do enjoy seeing an origin story and I enjoy seeing what gets people from point A to point B. And I think that he did an excellent job with that. But we knew where she ended up. So you knew that it was going to be something twisted getting there. So that part didn't really surprise me. But what did surprise me was X. Yeah. And one, it surprised me that it existed because when that film dropped, well, I mean, we knew about it a little beforehand, but it wasn't something that people have been talking about for years and watching the production. and I mean, no, the fact that Ty West was coming back to horror with a theatrical film with a film like that, uh, that is so reminiscent of films of the 70s. And he brought with it not only an interesting, compelling story with, I think, vividly painted characters, but he managed to give us a slasher film that also made me cry. And that doesn't happen a lot. It has happened before like with Cold Prey, but I was really invested in the characters, not only of the characters of our victims and then our ultimate protagonist, protagonist being Maxine, but Pearl. I thought that she was an intricate character and one that I could relate to. You know, not I'm not as old as that, <laughs> but, you know, being an older woman, there are a lot of things there that... I think people can find relatable and I understood where she was coming from. Now, but then you go back and watch Pearl and you're like, okay, well I can't relate that much, you know, <laughs> but just with what we got in X, I found it very relatable and uh, on many, in on many levels, understandable, at least where her mindset was coming from. Not how, she, it, yeah. not how she acted on those things. No but where it was coming from. And then the moment when we got that, the first kill, which was so brutal and just at, I mean, I wasn't expecting that brutality off the bat. Like I didn't, I didn't see it coming to that extent. And it was beautifully shot with the light from the headlights and the, just the viciousness of it. I was immediately enamored. Plus I think everyone from Brittany Snow to, Mia Goff did an incredible job in this. All Jenna of the Ortega, performances. Oh, and Jenna Ortega. Yeah, which, <laughs> even though I love Jenna Ortega, I absolutely adore her. Um, Wednesday, I think, is one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. I really liked it. I loved it. 
She is fantastic. By the time we get to the end of that movie, I wanted to strangle her so <laughs> fucking hard. But yeah, plus, you know, you throw an alligator in there. Oh, yeah. And uh, you're going to make me happy. So I had a blast. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. This was a complete surprise for me. I wasn't expecting anything much out of it. I don't know why, but I was just going, eh, it's going to be a movie. I'm sure I'll like it. But I did not know how much I would like it. Um, it's set in the 70s, and it looks like the 70s. It has a grimy feel of the 70s, and I love that shit. I also love movies, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's like the wrestling thing with me. I don't watch wrestling. I never really have. But I love the inside story of wrestling. The the drama of, you know, the, the actual wrestlers dealing with you know, the big bosses and all the infighting and all the shenanigans and shit like that. I'm like that way when it comes to porn. Now, I like porn when, you know, a lot of people do, but I love the inside stories behind porn. So you got to get that here, you know, it was like an inside, this is how we make porn, and then, oops, slasher film. And I really enjoyed that. I love the kills. I love the characters. I love the one guy, the porn actor, I forget his name. He was, he was a black guy. But I love how good he was, where he's just, he's doing his thing, and he's over there just fucking women, having a good old time. But when the old guy comes up, hey, I need help, he's like, okay, let's go. I'll help you. Let's go. And that was the thing, is that there were no bad characters no. in this film, and I cared about them. Yeah. I didn't want any of them to die. That's the sign of a good movie, but specifically a good slasher. You want the audience to feel or at least relate to the characters so when bad shit happens to them they feel something that is something they forgot for many fucking years um specifically some of the post scream slashers where everybody was a detestable douchebag and i couldn't give a fuck about any of them but you put some good characters in there and suddenly it's like wow I give a shit whether this person lives or dies. Imagine well, that. Yeah, he was a good guy wanting to help the whole the old guy. Old, yeah, um, and the Britney Snow character when she found the you know pearl down at yeah. the dock, you know, she was like, "Oh, my nana sometimes wanders off or whatever." She was being very sweet to her until she called her a whore. <laughs> until Pearl was like, "Get away from me, you whore!" She's like, "Well, fine, fuck you then." <laughs> the old ugly, and then she pushes her. In. And then Pearl's like, bitch. <laughs> so yeah, that movie was another surprise. It was a very pleasant surprise. And I do agree with you. I think it is stronger and better in every way uh, than Pearl. Now, I know some people like Pearl more, and hey, more power to you. But for me, I think X is the superior film. Okay, then that means you should be up to your number six. Okay. Okay. My number six? X. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I did like it much more than Pearl. Everything about it, I like the setting, the story, the characters, the kills, the look, everything. Everything about it was pitch perfect for me, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I love how it ended, I love the surprise turns, I love the, the resolution to the characters and all that. I just thought it was excellently done. I am a big Ty West fan, not all of his movies. But at least two of them I can think of I really, really, really love. And now this is a third one. There's only one that leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And 
even then, it's a well-constructed film. Yeah, it's I know. a well-made it's, film. It's, it's the same movie I'm thinking of. It's not the, it's not the film mechanics that leave a sour taste in my mouth. It's... Yeah. Yeah, Pugsley knows. Uh, it's that, that, and that is the sacrament. Yeah. But even that is a really good movie. I just have other issues with it. Yes. But here, no issues. I think it was great. And, you know, everybody's going about Mia Goth and The End of Pearl. And that is great. Like I said, she should get a nomination for that. But I think what she does here is even better because she plays two totally distinct characters and she pulls it off. And never once do I not believe that one character is one person and, you know, the other character is another person. She does it so well, so so completely, I, again, I just think it's Pearl, but even on a higher level. She is really coming into her own. Now, she's been around for a long time, oh, yeah. but she's just now getting, I think, the recognition she deserves. I loved her in A Cure for Wellness when that came out. She even I thought she was okay. A, I didn't uh, think she was anything great there, but she was decent. She was in the Suspiria remake. Yeah. You know, I like, I mean, I've always liked her, but now she is doing her own bit of busting loose. Yeah. She is, the world will know will know her name. Who the fuck is Mia Goth? <laughs> That's for you, Dave. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was my number six, I guess. Okay, well then moving to number five. This was another surprise for me. And it was a surprise for everyone, I think. And if you are among the few of us who still watch trailers, then if you saw the trailer for this, which we did many, many times because we go to the theater a lot, then you go to watch the film and you have no idea. Let me guess, that's Barbarian? It is Barbarian. Okay, yeah. that's my number five as well. Oh, so. oh shit, okay. <laughs> we'll just talk about it together. Yeah, that trailer is excellent. That's how you do a horror movie trailer. Yeah, it had you, me going in a completely different direction. Well, actually, it could have gone in any direction. Not even so much, and not even so much that it misdirected. It just, it gave you enough to whet your appetite. You knew something was going to happen. You knew it was going to be spooky and scary. There's enough there where you go, okay, I want to see that. But it doesn't give you this and that and this and, you know, guess what's in the basement, you know, and all the bullshit that other horror movies, their trailers have just fucked up. Yeah, a lesser, uh, I love a lesser trailer cutter would have shown the scene where yes. Bill Skarsgård got hit. Yeah, dragged away going, oh! And that was the moment that I fell in love with this film. Yeah. Just right there. And, and, and it's very... There are a couple of films this year that I've said this about, and I adore it. And it's one of the reasons that I love Malignant so much, is that it's very old school in its approach to horror, yeah. in that there is something going on here, but it is so batshit insane that it's something that I would see right at home in a film from the 70s or the early 80s. And it's just that what is actually taking place within this film is not just your typical everyday thing. It is, I was just like, what the fuck? You know, and when a movie can make me say, what the fuck? You know, that's fantastic. Yeah. Also, then Jeremy Long shows up and he was very funny. He always is. A lot of people don't like him. I really, I really like him. Who? Justin Long. Justin Long. He's a jerk. I did. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Long is an old... That's his brother. He's an old friend of mine of who was also a movie reviewer, but, uh, 
Anyway, yeah, so Justin Long. When he shows up... Oh, I love that. I thought he was... Uh, he was so good. There was no hint of him in the trailer. I didn't look at the poster. Maybe his name was on it. Maybe it wasn't. I didn't see him in the beginning credits, but I purposely tried to avoid reading those when they're on, just so I can be surprised like this in these very few and rare instances. And yeah, to have him suddenly pop up and now he's carrying the movie, I thought was great. Well, and then the way it was done was you felt like you were in a different film. Yeah. You know, it's like this stuff is going on over here and then here he comes and and then it just, I was like, oh, so we're following him now. Okay. But then everything comes together. It, you know, it comes back together and sort of mixes in the beginning of the film and then the, the Justin Long parts of the film work their way to like weave into each other. And I thought that was really well done. The only thing that disappointed me about it was that Bill got killed so early and I love him so much. Yeah. I've been a big fan of his since uh, that werewolf show. Yeah. On Netflix. Um, I forget what it was called. Uh, hot, hot, hot topic. No. (laughs) Oh fuck. What was the name of it? But he played a vampire, but, uh, I loved him then and I didn't know who he was then. I had never seen him in anything. I didn't even realize he was part of this huge film family at the time. And now we're seeing him more and more. Um, Of course, there was his turn as Pennywise, which I think was just one for the record books. That is one of my favorite characters in the last decade. At least for me. Eclipsed Tim Curry. Oh, by a... Do you know how hard that is? It is Because Tim Curry is a bad motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I he think is. he... That had to be so scary to follow in those big-ass clown shoes. To have to follow up. I mean, it's like... Well, most people don't rate the the Shining miniseries anywhere near as much as the Kubrick Shining film. And honestly, rightfully so. It had to be so hard to follow Jack in that role. And that's the same thing here. There's some actors that deliver a role so iconic, I don't know if I'd ever want to follow them. No. I mean, I think, honestly, Steven Weber had balls to try to pull that off after. And that's the case here, because I'm not a huge fan of the It miniseries. I know some people are. They grew up with it great. I think it's okay, but I think by far and away, the best thing in that whole first miniseries is Tim Curry. And Skarsgård was like, hold my beer. Yeah. He was just awesome. He was. And so I get excited whenever I see he's attached. Well, he's uh, attached to Nosferatu. And Mm -hmm. I was already excited about that film. Isn't that uh, Eggers? Eggers, yeah. Yeah. So I was already excited about it because I love Nosferatu. I love Robert Eggers. And who who could make a Nosferatu film that I think would rival the original, and I think that would be Eggers. Now, the 70s, the one, 70s yeah. one, which I don't really care for. Me neither. I think it's okay, but... It has its moments, but I'm not a big fan. But this one I'm really excited about. And then when I found out that Bill was going to be in that film, I'm just like, I was already on board, but now I am buying two tickets <laughs> to be on board. Uh-huh. You know, that was like an extended metaphor that yeah. didn't really work, but... Anyway, yeah, Barbarian was a joy. I had such a good time with that. And I had no idea that Richard Brake was in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I do... Now, um, 
there are things I wish I I would have liked to have seen more with his character. Yeah, but I think there was enough there to get fine. the point across of who he was and what he was doing. Also, takes place in Michigan. Woo! That's true. Yeah. yeah. That was another one I was thinking about for doing Michigan, but I knew I was going to talk about it here, so I decided not to double up. Oh, you knew you were going to... Oh, because it's your number five as well. Yep. Okay, well then I guess that'll just push us straight to number four, yeah, which... Yeah, what's your number four? <laughs> you can go ahead and say it. I think I know what you're going to say. You do. And I totally disagree with you. But I don't care. By all means... <laughs> All right, I'm going to preface this by saying... Don't, don't no, put on I'm not, provisos. I'm not, just state your fucking opinion I'm, and stand by it. I am standing by it. I'm not apologizing. No one gets apologies from me. Okay. But I'm just... I am going to preface it by saying that, to me... You had a close head injury recently. No. To me, horror, ultimately, is about enjoyment. And... Uh, oh, that's it, the case. It has a lot of other factors that, that make me love it, but what really gets the tingles going in my gut is when I have fun. And with this next film, I had a whole lot of fun. I watched it numerous times and just enjoyed it that much more every time. And that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I honestly thought you were talking about a different movie. Did you really? Yes. Oh, wow. I will say this. I'm not a big fan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it has a, uh, quite a few issues that I take issue with. But I can see it being on somebody's list. I can specifically see it being on your list. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, good, because I don't care. But well, I know, but... <laughs> but... It will not make my list, big you know, spoilers, but no, I'm, I thought you were talking about another movie. Oh, well, it might still be there, so yeah. I don't know. I'm curious to see what you thought I was talking about. Okay. But, um, but with this one, we get a genuine massacre. Yeah. There is blood and body parts and limbs flying everywhere. And we also get my favorite character of the year, and that is Richter. I adore that man. Yeah. I think that I, I love what they did with initially trying to portray him as one thing. I mean, and that's the thing I love about this film is that honestly, it, it got a lot of um, got a lot of flack when it came out because people were screaming that it was, you know, one way or the other. And the thing is, I, I think Well, this that, is another one where, I mean, they're purposely wrong. And I love that movie for this, but I guess people did not get that subtle distinction. So now it's like, it's all woke and, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. They didn't get the memo. I think this film understood the assignment in that ultimately it's about, it it's about understanding that when you look at something, you see one thing. And when someone else looks at something, they see something else. When he was not wrong to be upset no. by seeing the Confederate flag. That is not the wrong part. The wrong part was that when it came to her, she's like, oh, that old thing, I kept it because it was my grandfather. Yes. It means nothing to her other than that. And that's how, that's the world we live in. It is a, it's not a black and white world. There's a Too lot of gray. Too many people see it that way. Too many people have this us or them, my camp or your camp, fuck you if you're not on my side mentality. 
Well, in the moment we meet Richter and he's brandishing a gun and he's rolling coal and you're like, but he ends up being an extremely caring, yes, heroic character. Yes. And then we get the the whole backstory with the the school shooting which some people think was disrespectful, but that's what I love about it is that it was plucking people from different points of view, different backgrounds and then it does give you the initial idea of who you think they, sh- you know, who you're going to think they are. And then it ends up, by the time you get to the end of the film, or your view of those characters are very different. At least it is if you're paying attention. My biggest problem with that movie, and I think that it did not work at all, was the, hey, we saw Halloween 2018. Let's blow the dust off Sally Hardesty and bring her back. That was unnecessary, and it did not work at all. Yeah, and no, I don't have any issues with the actress. I, I think she was fine with no, what she I was mean, given. Yeah, but, but the thing is, that really only works if you have the original actor to portray that role again. Not and even if you that. Don't, there's not much of a point. I could see them, but do something with the character as opposed to she's bad, she's tough, and she's gonna set things right, and then she comes in and does fuck all. And it's not even like she tried and failed, like she bumbled or fucked up or whatever. She just, she has a shotgun at Leatherface, and she's like, you remember me now? And he just walks away, and she lets him. And I'm like, your whole point, your whole motivation since, you know, the original movie, all these years, was to come to this point, and you do fuck all. I think that... In it that wasn't even like she choked on it. I mean, even that, like, she just couldn't bring herself to do it. Okay, fine. But it was such a non-event. It was such... It was a waste. It was a waste of her character, and it was a waste of my time watching a movie. I feel like in that moment, she was shocked by the realization that he has no idea who she is, and she meant nothing to him. She and her friends ultimately meant nothing. And I think that is what threw her off her game, or threw her off balance. I still would have shot the fucker, but I'm just saying it just... Well, I get I'm that. guessing that's what they were going for. Well, now, yeah, whether or not it was you know, I saw Halloween 2018 as well, so I get that. But it's just, it was such, hey, <laughs> oh, we want to do that, it's dude. the same thing. Yeah, it is the exact same thing. Oh, I never even thought about that, but yeah. Yeah, all this time, this person has been obsessing over this particular character, and that particular character doesn't even know who they are. Nope. So that is exactly the same. Yes, exactly. That's why it was such, it was so poorly done. It was such a blatant copy and paste. Hey, this went over well. This was successful. Fans like this, so we can do that too. Well, No, you can't. You didn't, and fuck you for trying. When you all boil it, when you boil it all down to the bones, what we get is... A Texas Chainsaw Massacre that actually involves a massacre and has some characters that I think have some depth. And that is really not what you typically see in a Texas Chainsaw film. And we know because we just went through them all for our retrospective. But I was excited from that first kill where the guy, he breaks the guy's wrist and then stabs him in his throat with it. I was like, fuck yes, I'm on board with this. And then it just got better. I, I just feel like the amount of gore flying around in this film was just tremendous and I had a good time. I had a no, really good time. I really have no problem with this one other than the Sally Hardesty thing because I just thought that was botched. But uh, 
it's a it's a decent little Texas Chainsaw. It's better than many of the sequels, so I'd give it that. And uh, it just, it wouldn't make my list. And it didn't, so spoilers. Okay, well, what is your number four, then? Probably our most recent watch for this, The Menu. Some people may not consider this a horror movie, and I honestly don't know if I do either. There's enough horror stuff happening into it. And it's also set up as a horror movie that I'm going to give it a pass. I mean, it's one of those things where as soon as I heard the title and I saw, you know, uh, Ray Fiennes on the cover in his little chef's outfit, I knew what it was going to be about. Come on. It's going to be about cannibalism, right? The menu is this guy inviting <laughs> right. his critics and all that. And, you know, he's going to feed them to each other and blah, blah, blah. It is so not that. And I'm so glad it wasn't that. Not that that idea couldn't be good, but the fact that this movie just totally switched from my preconceived ideas of what it was going to be is most accurately described, in my opinion, as kind of a black satire comedy. But it has people dying, and it has people being, you know, threatened with their very lives and all that stuff, and enough things are put into it that are meant to be horrifying that, yeah, it it's made my horror movie list. But specifically, I just think it was so well done. Anya Taylor-Joy, like always, is excellent in this. And Rafe, don't call me Ralph, Fines. That dude is awesome. I have never seen him play a part I didn't love. He is one of my favorite actors of all time. He can do no wrong in my book. And here, as the psychotic, sad push to his limits chef I really enjoyed and I liked all the other characters too and it gets to a point where it almost has some of the same problem with oh, what was that movie you liked that I didn't well, speak no evil speak no evil where the I, they even mentioned it though in the movie like you know or you could ask yourselves why didn't you even try to escape why and I, didn't you try to fight back yeah. you honestly probably could have yes <laughs> because it was satire, I can take that. That fucking Speak No Evil movie, that was supposed to be serious. And I'm well, like, Well, it no. was also a satire. Yeah, but everything was played straight. Here, nothing really is played straight. Well, I think straight. there were a lot of dark comedic moments in that film. I think that was ultimately what it was. But, I mean, but I'm not trying to derail you. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is just, it's a great film. Horror otherwise, I mainly just wanted to highlight it. So yeah, I put it on my list, deal with it. I think it is a great film. It is one of my favorite of the year. That's why it's number four on this list. I am so pleased. I am. Because I wasn't sure how you were going to end. When we were watching the film, I wasn't sure where you were going to end up. You didn't make comments or anything throughout. You know, there wasn't... I couldn't really tell. The only the only thing that was an indicator to me that you were enjoying it was the fact that you were paying sole attention to it. And I can typically tell if... Yeah. I'm not looking at my phone if playing you're, games if or whatever. If you're checked out, but then you're not into a film. Yeah. But you were checked into this film. Yeah. And so that is... Um, that is... That tells a lot. But I thought Ray Fiennes was... Perfect. He was so brilliant. Yes. And and the comedy was so black and savage. That is my... 
not my single favorite kind of comedy, but it's one of them. I love dark, dark comedy, and that's exactly what this was. Again, I really loved Anna Taylor-Joy's character. She wasn't just some clueless individual, nor was she Superwoman who had all the answers. I like all the various detestable characters they assembled for the menu. And, you know, everything about the movie was just really good. Yeah. I enjoyed my time immensely with it. There's a scene in the beginning of the film where Rafe first comes out and he is describing... Well, he doesn't really describe the whole menu for the evening. He's just sort of introducing... And I One think course it's at, at a the, time. The, yeah. yeah. And in the, in the middle of that, there is a character who... Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is with, and she turns to him, and she's like, are you crying? And then, <laughs> and Brian. Oh, you would be crying too? Yeah. Yeah. Because you were. And I was. You weren't even there. You were watching a movie about this, and you were like, that's so beautiful. <laughs> well, he turns to me, and he's like, well, shit, I was about to make a joke about how if we were in that situation, that would be you. And he's like, but I can't even make a joke because you're actually crying. And I was. I was touched. Beauty, on any level, will affect me, even if it's dark. Even if it's... But there was a beauty in his delivery and in where he was coming from. There were little things about that film that just hit me. Having spent a long time in the service industry, a lot of it, I get. And when he says the thing, when he's talking about the uh, angel investor... And then he's like, or when the angel investor is, you know, hanging outside. Mm-hmm. And then he's talking to people and he's just like, so many of you, you know, you come to my restaurant, you know, whatever. And he's like, and you ask for substitutions when there are no substitutions at Hawthorne. And I'm like, fucking yes. Because I've had an idea for a restaurant for many years. And this is not the salad restaurant. that, But I have had an idea that I wanted to call it Dinner at Jamie's. That way, that like that's the actual name of the restaurant. And then when you know when people would say, "Well, where are you going for dinner?" Oh, we're going to dinner at Jamie's. You know, I just thought it would be clever. Mm-hmm. But the idea there would be a family style. This is what we're having. Like this is what's on the menu or for the evening. You don't get options. You get what we're serving. And there are no substitutions. And there are no. Can I get you know gluten free? No, we're having what we're having. Yes. Or you're not eating. Just like it was when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're having dinner at my house, you're having what we're serving. And that's it. And I've always wanted to do that. But the reason you can't really do that is because people don't want that. They don't want to be served what you want to serve them. They want to come in and they want to pick and choose. And they want to go, well, I have this, but without this. And can I add this instead? And what if we did this? And what? And then, and I just want to strangle them. So <laughs> the fact that he said that cracked me up to no end. Well, that's you know? that's one of the things I like about this movie. Uh, if you have server experience, which I do, I never waited on tables or anything, but I was in the service industry. Uh, I bet most of our listeners were at one time or another. A lot of kids start that way, getting jobs and all that. You know customers like this. And so you can relate on that level. But also, not to sound too hoity-toity, not my own ass, it's the artistic level. It's the, you don't understand what it takes to do this, and you don't appreciate it. And you Yeah, know, you just go in and you shove it in your gullet. Yeah. And then, which is the, the part that made me 
that brought tears to my eyes when he's like, you know, don't, he's like, please don't eat. I don't want you to just eat it. Yeah. I want you to taste it. I want you to relish it. I want you to enjoy it because I've put a lot of effort and time and thought into what it, and this is not, I'm not slinging a steak at you. I am this, or I'm telling, I'm, te- right? I'm telling a story and then you have that one table of guys, the money guys who, when he said, you know, no bread, uh, you know, you're getting no bread with this meal. And it was like, you know, part of the overarching theme. And then people are all pissed because it's a restaurant known for their bread and they're not getting any bread. And so the guy calls the woman over. He's like, you know, I'm sorry. Do you know who we are? Like, we want some bread. And can I get some gluten free for my friend? And, yeah. and my favorite thing was no. when Elsa said no. <laughs> and do you know how many times I have wanted to do that? I've wanted to just tell people, no, you can't have it the way you want it. You're having it the way we're presenting it because that's the whole point. That's why whenever I ha- whenever I worked retail, I had to be the manager. I managed car washes, video stores, music stores, video game stores. I mean, I've always been the guy in charge just so I can say, no. I can't tell you how fucking happy it would make me some customer would come in and let me speak to your manager. I am the manager. I love it whenever I get to pull oh, that Oh, God, hard. I would get my nipples hard. <laughs> I love that shit. And I'd always smile at them. And whenever they would go, you know, leave it in a huff, I'd, have a nice day. Fuck you. Well, when you, you entitled piece of shit. When you pay as much as you're... And they never said how much they were paying, but I can imagine it's, it's a lot. Uh, but when you're paying for the experience, which is what this is, when you go to a, when you go to a restaurant like this with a chef like this, you are paying for the experience and how dare you, (laughs) how dare you tell them what you would prefer? It's like, I just, it's just rude. And if you don't want that kind of experience, don't go. Then go to a different restaurant. Yeah. Go to a smorgasbord. Go to a go to a Golden Corral where you can pick whatever you want yeah. to eat. And but, that's fine. I love me some Golden Corral. <laughs> but if you're going yeah. for this specific experience, fucking go there for that experience and do what follow the rules or or you know, they've created something specifically for you with very specific bits and Enjoy it the way it's meant to be enjoyed. And not everyone is going to want that kind of experience, and that's fine. So don't pay for it. But these people paid for it and then had the nerve to complain. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I, I, I am totally on his side. <laughs> and I don't know, that's probably horrible, but I loved him in this. I loved everything about him. And I just, that was another pleasant surprise for me because I, I figured I would enjoy it. Just because of the cast and the fact that it's based around restaurants. And I have a thing about movies about restaurants. I don't know. Like Pig. Yeah. I loved Pig. Yeah. The the Nicolas Cage movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I just, there's something about that. And I don't do fine dining. I don't, I'm not a chef. You know, I cook a lot at home and I like to make things up and experiment. But I don't do anything to the level that, that, this type of chef would do. Speaking of, I'm getting hungry. Let's no. move on. <laughs> Nor could I, but I appreciate the artistry of it. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's why this was a really, it was a big surprise for me. I figured it would be a good movie. I didn't know if I'd like it or not, but I'm like, with this kind of acting talent in it, I'm sure it's going to be good. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. So, boom, it's on the list. What's your next one? Okay, my number three, we've already discussed it, and that is The Cursed. Nice. Good. Yeah, that was, well, it meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to me that someone put that much care and effort into a werewolf film. We don't often get that. Yeah. And I appreciate, ah, again, the artistry of it. Okay. My number three is a movie we've already talked about. Glorious. Yay! I love that movie so much. I love how smart it is. I love the twist that it takes at the very end that uh, all makes sense. I love J.K. Simmons, you know, just his awesome deadpan, you know. Shall I tell you the 12 people who've contributed to the fecal matter that is on your face right now? <laughs> Do you want that list alphabetically or by, you know, date of contribution? <laughs> of course, it's Cosmic Horror, so that's right in my wheelhouse, but it's funny as hell. I think the acting was all done well. I love the the reality warping aspects of it where he's trying to escape and he can't. And, uh, yeah, I love how at the very end, you know, this great cosmic entity of evil and all, it's like, look, we don't belong here. Neither of us do. And this was all part of his plan to you know, not only save the world, but to make it just a little bit better. So, yeah, I think it's an excellent movie. I highly recommend it to all. It's the number three on my list. Okay, well, number two on my list, we've already discussed, and that is Fresh. Okay, excellent. That film, when it, I mean, we, we already discussed it, but it just, it blew me away, and Sebastian Stan's performance in that is outstanding. It is one of the highlights of the year for me, and uh, it's one of those that stuck with me from the moment I saw it, and I knew it was going to make my list. I didn't know where. But then by the time we got to the end, it still managed to claw its way almost to the very top. Nice. My number two is the yin to the Black Phone's yang. Ooh, I thought that was going to be your number one. It almost was. But I have something that made my number Assuming one... Assuming I'm correct. I mean, I could be wrong. I have something that made my number one specifically for A, how much I liked it, B, how much impact it had, and just what a force it's become. And I love that shit. But as for this movie, it's the sadness. And yeah, the black phone is family-friendly horror. It still achieves what it sets out to achieve. I don't think it really nerfs or holds itself back. But this movie, holy fuck. <laughs> this is one of those movies I wouldn't recommend it to the average person. I have a couple movies, you know, in our library and all that. Like when, you know, our friends come over. Yeah. You know who. And they're always like, let's watch a scary movie. What about this one? And they'll go, I, I'll point them at the racks and say, go pick something out. And then they'll pick something like... A Serbian film. A Serbian film. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you no. don't want... You gotta know your... Or Martyrs. You know, right. that's another one I think is excellent. I love that movie. I think it's artistic as all hell. I would not recommend that to the average viewer. No, we're not taking that to your mothers. No. And that's this movie. It is so beyond the pale of good taste or any sort of restraint, but I kind of love it for that. It is unapologetic, 
It just does what it wants to do. It tells the story it wants to tell. As bloody and as off-putting as it is. And it just revels in that fact. For what's essentially is yet another zombie movie. Because it basically is. The affection, mindless hordes, all that shit. It kicks everything up to, you know, fuck 10 or 11. This is like 17. It is just so beyond. And it has so much fun doing it. It is gleeful in its goriness. And as much as I can like something as calm and chill as the black phone, I can really enjoy something like this where it just balls out, bloody as fuck, horrible as fuck, and it doesn't care. You know, it doesn't care about your, I can't believe you showed that. Yeah, well, guess what? Now I'm going to show this. You know, it just, it's like, fuck you. This is what, I, this is a story I want to tell. Like it or don't, I don't care, but this is my story. I'm not censoring it for anyone. I'm not holding back. This is the story I wanted to tell. And I admire that greatly. So yeah, that's the sadness. You know, it's a typical, it kind of is a typical zombie movie where, you know, virus infection takes the place of the actual undead. But just everything is, it's bloodier than you think. It is nastier than you think. It's more mean-spirited than you think. The ending is wonderfully bleak. It is just in all ways, you know, rubbing your face in it. It is depressing and gory and horrible. And I love it for that. I also love the fact that it it is all of those things, but then it has depth to it as well. Well, it it's, does. It's, you know, the sadness ultimately being the sadness that is felt by the people who yes. are portraying these deeds that they have no control over. And that's they know they're doing it, but they cannot stop them. It's their id unbound. This is their desires. They don't want to say that. They don't want to tell you that. But if this wasn't already inside them, they wouldn't be doing this shit. Mm -hmm. So this is the raw, naked humanity. And with, we all have those dark With all words. politeness stripped away. With all sorts of social constructs. And, well, we just can't do that. That wouldn't be nice. This movie doesn't give a fuck about being nice. And I love that shit. And again, it's very bleak. It's very pessimistic, I guess. And I don't think I'm an overly pessimistic kind of person. But just, I think stories like this should exist in the same time as more optimistic, you know, horror stories where, you know, the good guys live at the end and they beat the evil and, you know, they live happily ever after with the family. This is dark and dire and depressing as all hell, and I love it. Well, and it was born of the pandemic. Yes. And that is clear in here. They, they don't, it's not specifically COVID or anything, but it is very clear that that's where that came from. And there is an epidemic that is going around and this particular virus is now mutating into this other thing that does, it releases the id. It, it releases who these people, the deepest, darkest bits of their own humanity. And I honestly think that part of it was born from the pandemic as well. Oh, yeah. Because what we saw in the beginning it was hopefulness. It was fun. It was, you had people baking bread and that one guy who made that incredible video where he was surfing, but it was like, like fabric, not water because he made it in his apartment, but people being incredibly creative and using that time 
that was given them to do all these things that they've always wanted to do, whether it was woodworking or having more time to read or all of those things. And it was, it started out as honestly a very positive thing. And you had positive interactions online with people. And it was amazing to see people coming together, but people only have so much of that within them before they start to snap before things start to really come to light. And then what we saw toward the end of it was people being who they really are. You know, the Karens of the world coming out mm -hmm. and show, showcasing who they really are. And that is depressing. That yes. was very depressing to see people turn on each other the way that they did. And I think this film highlights all of that beautifully. I agree. So that was your number two. two. Okay, well then now we're down to my number one. Do you have any idea what it would be? Well, you haven't mentioned the sadness, so I'm hoping it's that. It is. The sadness is my number one Yay. film of the year. It is by far the film that had the biggest impact on me. The film that made me think the most. The film that had the most visceral reaction from me and the one that I really, really, really wanted to recommend it to everyone and I recommended it to all the people that I knew could handle it. But at the same time, you have to, like you said, you have to know your audience. Yes. And I, I there are many people that I would never recommend this film no. to. But for those that I thought would appreciate it, I was shouting it from the rooftops. St it stunned me. It it, to quote you, which I have not gotten this phrase out of my brain since you did your review for this film. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, and I think about it all the time, and I've quoted you many times and given you credit. But I just can't get this phrase out of my head. And it's when you said, when this movie goes off, it goes fucking off <laughs> yeah. and it does. it does it starts very calmly and then but once it hits the gas pedal it never stops and it's relentless well that's why it's my number two and it's almost my number one i was very close so we are down to your number one and i am honestly i'm very i am confused i Seriously thought The Sadness was going to be your number one movie. Well, I like did. I said, it almost was. But the more I think about this movie and just how it was done. It's Halloween Ends, isn't it? Yes, I love Halloween Ends. No. <laughs> that was the movie when you... Oh, no, you thought it was going to be on yeah. my list? Oh, no, I really love the movie, but it didn't make my list. No, I don't like that movie. But uh, my number one movie? Yeah. Smile. Oh, wow. I didn't even... And it didn't even make your list. No, well, it's it's here, but it's not... It should have been one of the top ten. 10. But... Hell, it should have been number one. I love this movie for many, 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 many reasons. First off, it is a shit ton of fun. I enjoyed this movie from beginning to end. Secondly, it was a huge hit for horror in theaters. And because of this movie alone, we're going to be getting a shit ton of more horror in movie theaters to come. Paramount, who put this movie out, because of its success, has recently hired one of the heads of Disney or something, Marvel, I don't fucking know, I don't care, but some showrunner that recently lost their job from over there, they are now putting together a whole, like, little horror sub-production company where they want to have at least five to six new horror movies next year. 
That is huge. And that can be laid directly at the feet of this film because it was so successful, because so many people loved it and it made so much money. They're like, hey, you know, and Grant, I, this is Paramount. The people who had a shit fit over Friday the 13th way back in the day. Yeah, who tried for years to shake that franchise yeah. because it was so embarrassing for them. So, I mean, just... In the scope of the genre itself, this is a great example of people going, you know what? Horror makes money. People love these movies. We should embrace that shit. Fuck being embarrassed about it or, you know, looking our nose down at it and all that stuff. People love these films. We should give people what they love. And I love that. It's also, I think, very effective. And just a good story. I mean, I also call this movie Jump Scare, the movie. Because it is. It does have a preponderance of jump scares. But, unlike most horror films, these actually work. Or in a few instances, instances where they don't, they're not so blatantly horrible or offensive where they drag me out of the film, have me rolling my eyes and going, God damn, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. I think... It was acted very well. I love the story of trauma and inescapable... I've said this to you. Inescapable horror is my favorite kind of horror. If it's a if it is a quick, easy fix to it, then why don't you just do that and move the fuck on? Here is something, you know... It's a curse movie, and there's been tons of curse movies. And you have people, you know, relating this to, like... Uh, it follows. It follows, and uh, something else I was thinking of. But I like those movies too, so yeah. that's not a bad thing for me. But I also like how it's deeper than I think anybody's giving it credit. The whole idea behind this movie is mental illness. This monster can only affect you mentally. It has no physical presence. It can't do anything in the physical world. All it can do is fuck with your reality. As you know, that's one of my favorite types of genres. When you fuck with somebody's reality, that's the scariest thing on earth. If you can't tell what is real or not, you're really fucked. Mm -hmm. Worse than any witchcraft or ghost or psycho killer of a knife, if your own reality turns against you, you're fucked. But even beyond that, this thing is all about trauma and grief and mental illness. Yet the very fact that its signature is having to plaster a smile on your face, a grimace, a rictus. Maybe people don't understand mental illness, but that is such an appropriate analogy for it. There is something fucked up in your head, something wrong, something broken, but you've always got to put on a happy face. You've always got to smile to people. You can't let people know what's going because they won't believe you. That's another thing about mental illness. Unlike, you know, cancer or a heart attack or anything else where you can get, you know, a CAT scan or this scan or that scan and prove that, yes, this is what's going on. Mental illness is, by its very nature, in your fucking head. And people don't tend to believe people when they have mental illnesses. And that is horrible. It's a sickness like anything else, yet it's not believed. Well, for years, there was such a stigma. And that's that. just it. I mean, that's the whole, you know, put the weird kid in the attic and, you know, just leave him be. And I, it, it's, In the embarrassment yes. room or the, the disappointments room. 
Nowadays, we are finally coming to terms with a little bit of that, but it's still part of this whole, just, you know, oh, just, like depression. Oh, just don't be sad. You know how many times people have said that? I suffer from depression. You know how many times people have said that to me? Oh, just get over it. Oh, things aren't that bad. It doesn't work that way, asshole. That's like telling somebody with cancer, oh, just, you know, have you tried not having cancer? <laughs> Has that crossed your mind? Just Maybe get over you it. Just you not know? have it. <laughs> just try not to cough so much. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, mindset can do a lot, but when you do suffer from something clinical in your head, that your mindset isn't going to help. No. It doesn't help. And there are times when you are in a place mentally, you don't know why you're there. You can't think of any specific event that triggered this, but you are there and you can't pull yourself out. And you want to desperately. You don't want to be like that. No. You don't want to spend your whole day in the bed. Yeah, that's not fun bed. for anyone. Um, but sometimes... That's the only thing you can do. And to have it dismissed or misunderstood is disheartening. And you get to the point where you just don't talk to people about it anymore. Exactly. And it goes hand in hand with this movie. The whole you got to keep it to yourself because no one's going to believe you or anything like that. Or at the very worst in this movie, you could infect others with it. So the more I watch this movie and the more I think about this movie, the more I like it. And that's why it's my number one. For, like I said, many reasons. The effect it's had on the horror genre and this new wealth of horror movies we'll be getting just because of this movie. How well it was done with a... It's a pretty simple story. And just how well it was implemented. Those jump scares, like I said, it has a whole bunch of them, but most of them fucking work. I love the monster in this. I just, I love everything about this film. That, sadly, for me, is an example of a trailer fail. Um, I do think that they gave away one of the scariest moments in Was the film. Was that the head falling off thing? Yes. Yeah, that would that have been sucked. brilliant if yeah. in the theater we didn't know that was coming. But that's unfortunate. And that's what happens when you do watch trailers is sometimes you get the bad ones. But, but I never even blame then, the movie no, for the trailer. No, it's not the movie's fault. And even then I still enjoyed the hell out of the film. And I had no idea who Sosie Bacon was. It turns out um, she's Kevin Bacon's daughter with Kira Sedgwick. And I, not a clue. Didn't, never seen her in my life that I'm aware of. Maybe I have and I didn't know it. But I thought she was tremendous. She did a great job. When you get to the very end, uh, the ending is tragic but fitting. I think it's it ended the, exactly the way it needed to. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think people who were younger than us likely won't even remember there was a time when if you were filling out a job application, you would never mention depression. No. Ever. No. Because you're not getting that job. No. And it's not like that anymore, but... I, I bet it still is I mean, to a probably extent. to some, but it is at least more accepted now. But back then, you never, ever said anything to anybody. Because there was such a stigma attached to it. To any sort of mental, to you know, issues you may have. Yeah. You had to keep that to yourself. That is why this movie is my number one horror movie of the year. 
as a horror movie in and of itself, I think it's excellent. I think it's very scary. I love that, like I said, the jump scares, which I usually detest, I thought worked here. I love the look of the monster. I love that it's plotting and pacing. But the fact that it had such a huge influence, or at least coming up influence on the horror genre, and the fact that it is deeper and more meaningful than most people are giving credit. I mean, it's a. I can see some horror fans going, "It's this is your typical theatrical horror movie, blah, 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 lowest common denominator for the masses and all that. But it's not. It's so much better than that. It is, and I agree with that. Okay, good. Okay, so for honorable mentions, well, Smile is one of mine, and I adored that film. It's not that I didn't think not it was... Not enough to put it on your top ten. Well, it's not that I didn't think it was worthy, but it has been getting a lot of attention. And... I don't care. And, Everybody well, loves no, it or nobody loves I it. I wanted to highlight some other things. Okay. And I knew that I would get the opportunity to mention it, so that's okay with me. Okay. I wanted to leave room for things like The Cursed. I would unsubscribe to you now if I could. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Too bad you're sitting next to me. Yeah. Uh, another honorable mention is one of my favorite films of the year, any genre. I absolutely love it, and that is The Menu. Yeah, But I really don't see it as, as a horror film. And, and I'm not saying that it can't be, but it's just, for me, it's more a dark satire, a thriller even, but... I didn't feel any horror from it. There was never a moment when I was afraid or felt like there was any fear aimed at me. So I, I just People I left it off for that. People get dressed up in marshmallows with little chocolate hats. <laughs> that is awesome. That that was pretty pretty <laughs> fucking amazing. I again knew I would get the opportunity to talk about it, so that's why I was okay with it. But it really is one of my favorite films of the year. It is so good. Just everything about it is so good. I was blown away. Okay. Another one for me is talking about Year of Surprises. These next two fall under that category. One of them is, and we actually watched them virtually back to back. There was a time when we had uh, widespread power outages all over Michigan. And so for two nights in a row, we had nothing to do. So we went to the movies. (laughs) And... The first one we saw was Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I didn't oh, yeah. know I didn't know anything about that movie going no. in. I was like, well, you know, it's been getting a little bit of buzz. Let's just go check it out. And we did. Well, real quick, that's on my honorable mention list, too. Oh. I was going to play cool. Like, I didn't know what you were talking about. Oh, yeah. I'm into a singer. <laughs> but just get it out of the way. Yeah, that's also on my honorable uh, Well, list, I so. loved it. Yeah. I thought it was fun as Hell. And uh, I know a lot of people don't like the characters. Uh, Pete Davidson. Well, I heard the characters in general because they are like the most superficial dipshits out there. But I think they played it up to such a degree. I fucking loved it. Well, yeah. And it was very... Every, everything was for... like I don't think there was anything pointless in this film. No. I think that everything was done very purposefully. And it shows. Uh, I think these characters were very carefully constructed. And I love it for that. I, I think it's very funny. Then when we get to the end, the ultimate end, and you realize yeah. why everything is happening that has happened, I was just sitting there stunned and laughing my ass off. 
because yeah. it's it's just great. I had such a good time with it. It was one of the most fun movies we've seen at the theater. Oh, so, yes. You know, yeah, it, like I said, made my list of honorable mentions as well. The next one, which we saw the very next night, was another surprise for me. And I was excited to see this movie because I really loved the first one. But who knows ever where sequels are going to go. Let me guess. Orphan First Kill? It is. And That's also on my honorable mentions <laughs> list. And who knows how, if this sequel, especially the later ones, is it just going to be a retread? Is yes. it going to be, you know, so I, I was, was so surprised at this movie. And that's a rarity for me. I don't really... I mean, I've, we've said this year was a year of surprises. And it was. But this one, I knew what it was going to be walking into. it. I knew what they would do and how they would go. And I was just hoping it would be fun enough to enjoy. A, they totally went to left field. Yeah. And I love that shit. Yeah. I also thought they did a pretty good job of de-aging. Oh, or, yeah. and, and the thing is, they did it... For the most part, practically, which I love, they would just have her you know, standing closer to the foreground and mm -hmm. have other people in the background and, you know, just things to make her look short. Because when she made the first one... She was a little girl. Yeah. Playing uh, an old lady. Isabel. Now Fink. she's an old lady playing a little girl. Yeah. She's not an old lady, but, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So Isabel Furman was actually a child when she made Orphan. And now she's an adult and playing a prequel. Like, mm -hmm. So she's even younger than she was in the first one. And I thought they did it really well. I thought the cast was very enjoyable. And then when we get to find out what you ultimately find out, it's just like, fucking what? <laughs> but in all the best ways. Yes. It was really fun. It was a great surprise. And honestly, I think it's it was a worthy follow-up yes. to Orphan, which I think is, I always enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit. And what else do we have? Oh, uh, one that I wanted to mention was, and I the only reason it didn't make my list is because it's not at all a horror film, but it is bloody enough and gory enough. Violent Night? Yes, that I think horror fans will enjoy yes, it. Yes, I agree. But it is virtually a cross between Die Hard and Home Alone. With <laughs> a drunk, pissed-off Santa. But you have David Harbour playing this... Santa, who has reached the end of his ropes, and he is uh, an actual Santa, and then he kind of sweeps in to save this family. Another one with John Leguizamo. He had, mm -hmm. a, he had a big year yeah. this year. I also think it was very clever that they cast Beverly D'Angelo as the matriarch of this family, considering that one of her more successful films was the one of the best Christmas films of all time. I thought that was kind of funny and very tongue-in-cheek. I love the fact that they infused actual Santa magic into it, even though he doesn't know how it works. It just, but it it is a thing. And that last kill that we that get, awesome. oh my god, it was great. So these and the fight sequences, they were choreographed beautifully mm -hmm. and shot beautifully. You know, yeah, none of that up close shaky cam. Can't see what the fuck's going on. Bullshit. No, and it had a lot of heart. I cried at the end. Like oh. it just. It's name a movie which you don't cry in it. It was yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Yes. But it's not in any I just can't classify it even close to being a horror film. It's not. It's just it's a very violent film, but that does not equal horror. And there was no horror, but it was really enjoyable and it was something that I 
was very happy that we got to see in the theater. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Then one more. Christ, how many you have? Well, a lot. Well, we already talked about... Oh, sorry, two more. We already talked about Smile. Another one I wanted to mention was Hellbender, which came very close to making my list, and that's a film that's on Shudder, I believe. Yes. um, About a mother-daughter... It's a witch movie, but it's made by a family. The father and mother and the daughter all made this film together, and I think... That's that's, awesome. That's really amazing. I also love the story, and I love how we end up at the end, where it's... This is the thing that is going to happen eventually. Uh, you just kind of know that that's just the circle of life. This is the way things are going to happen. And then it just sort of comes into play. But I I love a good witch story. What can I say? And yeah. I think this one was excellent. And also, I had no idea going in, really, what it was, how it was going to be. But it was another surprise for me. It was Really well done. And finally, I will wrap it up with one that I've actually seen on one person's top 10 list. And I was very happy about that. It pleased me to no end. It didn't make mine, uh, but I had a hell of a good time. I loved it. I gave it a five out of five. And I had a blast. But it just wasn't really list worthy. But I had such a good time with Beast. Nice. And that's the Lion movie with Idris Elba. Well, hell, I'm done. That's my... Uh, Was that on your honorable mention? Yes. Really? I didn't yes. think you liked it that much. I think it's an okay movie throughout. It's, you know, guy takes his family to Africa, and oops, killer lion. It's your typical when animals attack movie. But oh my God, it goes off the very end. It's spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Idris Elba fights a lion with his bare hands. I did not know how much I needed that in my life until I saw it. No, when 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 the movie started, we were joking about it being the gray, you know, yeah. like or he's like gonna how punch he's gonna some lions. he's gonna break some bottles and put them between his fingers and start punching a lion, you know, like. And um, then he did it. And then he <laughs> he did. I look at one point, uh, Brian's like, just put a hockey mask on him already <laughs> on this lion because he is just unrealistic. Just uh, he is a killer. And he also seems to never die. Uh, but I had such a good time. It was so much fun. It, it was also funny because through the whole movie, for some reason, I was convinced that there were two lions. And at yeah. one point, I turned the lock to Br- lion. I turned to Brian. And I'm like, why do I keep thinking there are two mm-hmm. lions in this movie? And he's like, because you've seen the ghost in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And I think you're exactly right. I think because of my love of the ghost in the darkness, which I do love, I was just like, there are two lions. I don't know why, but I went in thinking there are two lions in this movie. They're not. It's just one. But it, again, had heart. I love it. Just really fun. Just for the silliness of Idris Elba beating a lion's ass with his bare fist. And he's such a good actor. And he has such... Uh, such a presence. He has so much class. I can't believe and, and he charm. agreed to, to, to do that. I love that he did. That makes me so happy. It's one of those things where it's so stupid, and it is. It is down to the bones, dumb. But it it tickled me. I haven't laughed that hard, and I don't don't know how long. That was funnier to me than all the fucking comedies released this year. Not that I've seen any of them, but I'm just betting. I loved that. I was rolling on the ground with laughter. And at first I was like, I don't know how to take that. You know, because it is, it's really fucking stupid. But the fact that they just went for it and did it, 
And With everything, a straight face. Yeah, everything before that was played seriously. Now, it could still be ridiculous with this unkillable Jason lion, but, you know, they were still doing it with a straight face. And then they do this shit, and even this is done with a straight face. It's like, no, Idris Elba could beat the shit out of a lion. No, really. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. I don't care who you are. <laughs> you are not beating up a lion. Well, and he didn't. He he did have he did have some help at the end. Well, yeah, but I mean, you wouldn't even get that far if a lion. Well, no. If a lion wants you dead, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, but my God, I loved it. I love a good predator movie. Yeah, you know, as as an animal's gone wild thing. I love that this lion was fueled by rage <laughs> and vengeance, and I am okay with that. Because I think he deserved that rage and vengeance. Like, I honestly am not upset at the lion for doing the lion things. Because he is just expressing, and obviously that is taking a lot of license with what lions actually think about. But he is <laughs> expressing all this pent-up rage. Well, he's like Orca. You can understand where his anger comes from. Yes. And that that's another one that I love. I know. That's why I said it. I love that. It wasn't just... Wrong place, wrong time. There was a reason that this lion was yeah. doing what this lion was doing. And I think that's fantastic. Now, is it necessarily all that believable? No. no. But I don't give a shit. I had a really good time. This movie was good. It was fine. It was unoffensive all the way up to the end. But then that ending happened, and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. <laughs> to me, that movie is 100% all about the end. Well, and I'm upset that we didn't see it in the theater because I really wish yeah. that I could have given them money because it didn't do all that well, and that makes me sad. But we just didn't have... When it came out, it just wasn't... We didn't have the time to do it. Like, it just didn't... I wanted to see it, but it just... We couldn't. So... I'm upset about that. But at the same time, I'm kind of happy we didn't see it in the theater because I probably would have been thoroughly embarrassed with you laughing maniacally at the end. Because you did. It was like we went to see like when we went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and we get to the end and he is this. This is what he's doing. This laughing. Just just on it's awesome. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, people think he's a psycho. You know? Well, you know, they're not wrong with that, but... Also, I don't care what they think. No, I know. And it's and, no, and I would have loved it anyway. I think it would have been a fun experience to see in the theater. <laughs> but yeah, it, it always tickles me too when you do that. <laughs> and when things are like, well, you did a lot during Violent Night. I like good violence. I don't know what it is, but when it's choreographed and done well and it shows me something new or unique... It tickles me to no end, and I don't know why. It's probably because I am fucked up in the head. Who knows? But I love that shit. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And yeah, if you guys have been avoiding Beast, I do, I highly recommend it. It's so much fun. That Do a double feature with that in Uncaged slash Prey. Oh, yeah. Uh, from last year or year before? I think Something it was year like before. That, yeah. Now, I think that is a better movie overall, but just... To me, this ending was just so stupid. Actually, do a triple feature with this Prey slash Uncaged, uh, which it has dual titles. That's why. But uh, and um, Ghost in the Darkness. Mm. I mean, and you'll just all of your lion needs will be filled. And then the Wizard of Oz. That yes, <laughs> that I guess that could be your palate cleanser because he's a friendly lion. Yes. <laughs> 
Okay, well, let me have one final honorable mention, because okay. I don't have any left now. Another movie that's not a horror movie at all, although there are people dying in it and all that. Glass Onion. Oh, yes. Well, I, you know what? When you said you haven't seen any comedies this year, I was going to say... I guess that is a comedy. I was yeah. going to say, yes, you have. Yeah. <laughs> we watched Glass Onion, which I was so excited about now, because I, I love Knives Out. I did not like it as much as Knives Out, but I still really liked it. It was funny. It was, you know, it was mostly funny. It was, it was played far more for laughs than anything else, but... I think it worked really well. I love that character. I love Ryan Johnson's dialogue. and I, I told you, he is quickly becoming one of my favorite directors. Yeah. With the exception of that bullshit he did for Star Wars, but I don't blame him for that, because that movie just sucked. I didn't even see it. Oh, you didn't miss anything. But anything not Star Wars related I've seen him do, I've liked. Well, and for Christmas, you just gave me Brick, yes. which was Ryan Johnson's first movie. And how'd you like it? I loved it. Yay. It is so good. And that was him fresh out of college. Yep. And he wrote this amazing dialogue. It is a noir detective murder mystery set in high school. With an all-high school cast. It is fucking awesome. With Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yep. who play, who also is the voice of the hourly dong in Glass Onion, Glass Onion yeah. which I think is hilarious. Dong. What's that? <laughs> it's the hourly dong. <laughs> I think Edward Norton. Yeah. Uh, we get to see him so rarely these days, but... He's another one. He's good. I may not like the movies he's sometimes in, but I always like him. He is always excellent. And I hear he's got an ego from all hell and, you know, everything that goes with that, but I don't care. When he's on the screen, he does good damn work. And honestly, uh, he's one of the few actors that I would allow them to have that yeah. much of an ego because he's that fucking talented. He is just so good. And I, uh, I loved him in this. I loved all of the cast. Kate Hudson was great. Like, it, it just... I love a good ensemble cast, mm -hmm. and I, I think this nailed that. The Benoit Blanc character, I really want to see a whole series of films with this character. Yeah, I hope they keep doing it. Supposedly, they, they're going to, so I hope it materializes. And Ryan Johnson in general, he's so good at dialogue. Mm -hmm. He's so good at co constructing a film. And these he's I think he's perfectly suited to make these murder mysteries. Oh, yeah. And he just is... He has a diehard love for Agatha Christie and everything that goes along with that. And it shows, and he's not afraid to embrace it. And I have a love, a love for Christie's mysteries as well. So I'm happy as a pig and shit. And yeah, his attention to detail. Uh, we've watched so many after we watched Glass Onion, and we recently rewatched uh, Knives Out in preparation for Glass Onion. And after we watched Glass Onion, we watched all of these just interviews and everything I could get my hands on with Ryan Johnson. I've watched it and. I just, I love him. Yeah, you know how I am such a stickler about making sure you earn it, and, you know, if you're going to have a mystery, you put the breadcrumbs on the screen so people can figure it out and see the stuff. He does that so well. Everything is on the screen. He doesn't pull shit out of his ass at the end just to go, surprise! He will surprise you at the end, but he'll do it honestly. And I have such huge amounts of admiration for that. Yeah, and I that think is hard to do, and that's why so many people don't do it. They take the cheap and easy way out and just pull shit out of the closet at the end that you had no way of knowing or seeing or whatever, and then going, gee, surprise! 
No, he earns it. And I love him for that. Well, there's a lot of care that goes yes. into this. And this is one of those films that you can watch it and enjoy it. But I highly recommend watching anything extra that you can that will point out all the little details that are in this film. Because that just enhances it Or that just more. watch it, learn the mystery, and then watch it again and see how he lays that mystery out for you. How he does put the shit on the screen. Why would they do this? Well, this is why. How did this happen? Well, this is how. When did this take place? Well, this is when. I mean, he covers all the bases, and I love that shit. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Let's recount our top ten horror movies of 2022 and be done with it, because I am hungry. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to go first? I guess I will, since you went first last time. Uh, starting with ten, working down to number one. We've got Prey, followed by The Black Phone, followed by Fresh, and then The Curse... Then X, then Barbarian, then The Menu, and then Glorious, and then The Sadness, and finally, Smile. I love how much crossover we had. Yeah, well, we always do. I'm just amazed that some of them we didn't have, like the case in point, Smile, you didn't put on your top ten. Yes, I know. That is a huge failing, baby. I'm not going to let you forget it. Uh, I'm well aware. <laughs> okay, going down my list, starting at 10, we have Speak No Evil, then <laughs> Pearl, then Glorious, then The Black Phone, then X, then Barbarian, then Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You don't have to look at me. I, I'm fine with that being on then your list. Then The Cursed... Then fresh, and we round out the list with the sadness. Excellent. What was the movie that you thought was going to be my number or on my list? That a uh, Halloween ends. Oh right, right, right. I thought that was one you were bracing me for. Like, oh, you're probably going to hate this because yeah, uh, that movie has no right to be on anyone's top ten list. I'm sorry if it's on yours, you're wrong. <laughs> I actually love the movie. But I just felt like, and you know, like Scream came out, that was good. Yeah. But uh, I just feel like we had so many completely original yes. ideas this year. That well, that's what I was looking at my list. I think one might be like a sequel, or and that's Prey. It's an, I mean, it's a Even one then, of the it franchise. Was very different. Yeah, it was. But everything else, I think, is just totally unique. It's their own story, and I love that shit. You know, because again, I like Friday the 13th and Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and all that stuff. And I love seeing the new, you know, additions to the franchise. But there's so many... I've been saying this for years. There are so many good stories out there. And as somebody who deals with stories for a living, for putting, publishing other people's works and all that, I know there are talented writers and stories, yet... For so many years, Hollywood just did the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. I'll give this to the year 2022. They really did their own thing for the majority of it, and I really like that. And that's why, you know, Scream 5, I guess. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. But, yeah, it's not going to make my list. It's just, it's more of the same. Yeah. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're a big Scream fan, good on you. But, yeah... I don't see how that... And I can say the same about Halloween ends. 
Now, as much as I do not like that movie, even if I did like it, I don't know if that would be on my top ten list, just because it is just more of the same. However, in that case, it's not, because they totally fucked the pooch. And I disagree, but, you know, that's... That's okay. You're, you can be wrong, baby. It's not the first even time. Even I mean, I do have a sequel on my list. I have Texas Chainsaw, which is very high on my list. But the, the reason that it made such an impact is because it was so different from yeah. the Texas Chainsaws we've gotten before. They actually dialed into the massacre part of mm-hmm. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it was just overall fun. And so... Even that, I think, gets points for originality as far as that's concerned. It was a very varied year, Mm -hmm. and I got enjoyment from a lot of different angles. You know, whether it was something like Bodies, 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 or something like The Menu. Mm-hmm. You know, very different films were coming out this or some year, and it good was good lion punching action. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it so Fuck much. Fuck you, lion! <laughs> Bring it. Ah, <laughs> uh. oh, all right. Well, I guess that will wrap it up for the first episode of season three. Uh, next episode, we already said we will be discussing Intruder and Scream Four, so uh, check that out because uh, it's. Michigan themed. Yay, Michigan. And uh yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be having a lot of fun this season. Yeah. I'm really I'm looking forward to it. We've well, got a lot of stuff that I always like challenging myself planned. as in regards to the movies we pick. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to you just going, you know, uh butcher knife and then having to think of something that fits, but not the obvious thing. Or, you know, whatever. If that was the whole idea behind ABC's a hidden horror. I like doing that. Even though now we've dropped the alphabet, we're still kind of doing that. But we get to talk about movies that are more well-known, like Scream 4. I think everybody knows that movie, but... Yeah, it's not a movie that would ever have shown up on our show prior to this season. It's not a hidden horror by any stretch of imagination. But it doesn't mean it... But Intruder could be. Intruder could... Well, I don't know about any more. It's definitely had a comeback. Ten years ago, maybe not. But nowadays, I think it's pretty well accepted. But not by the normies, I guess. Not by the... But they don't listen to us anyway, so fuck them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's get you fed. Okay, yes, let's do (laughs) that. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for bearing with us through our hiatus and coming back to give us a listen. Um, We appreciate that. And uh, hope you guys enjoy what we're doing with this season. And also... Let us know what your top films of the year are. And yes. if you think we're just flat out crazy for any of the ones that are on our list. That's fine. We promise we don't bite. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for visiting the House of Salmons. We hope to see you back very soon. Until then, come chat with Brian and me on our Facebook group page at Horror in the House of Salmons. And if you like what we do here and want to hear some bonus episodes, consider being a patron at patreon.com slash houseofsalmons. Special thanks to Rick Morgan for composing our theme music.